0: The scripture reading this morning is Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So I've done a lot of weddings
1: in my career. I always want to say my short career, but I guess I'm getting older and it's really not that short anymore. I always think I'm right at the beginning of my career, but uh, really, I guess I'm about midpoint probably these days. So, boy, the year's munch on. It goes quick, but it, I've, uh, it, right, Pastor? Goes quick. <laughs> uh, but I've done a lot of weddings, probably hundreds of them, and, uh, uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong at a wedding, right? the 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 cake the caterer the cake oh my gosh I always tell people you know when they when they scoff at my at my uh, fee you know people outside the church I charge a fee and Pastor Curtis doesn't come cheap you got to know that uh, and they kind of scoff at that and and I say well I'll tell you what you 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 pay me whatever you paid on the whatever you paid for the cake and then they. They still feel just fine about my feet at that point. So a lot of things, a lot of things can go wrong. Mothers-in-law, right? Do I need to say anything else? Right. That's all I need to say. Actually, my experience has been mom, moms have never been the bigger problem. You know where I run into problem are groomsmen. Because you know the whoever whoever the, the groom is, they all, they always ask these loser friends to stand up with them, and they show up hungover or drunk, or they don't show up at all, and they're you know they don't know what they're doing. They get mad about having to wear whatever you know the thing has been picked out for him just shut up and stand where you're supposed to be it's 15 minutes out of your life my gosh you know can't you just can't you just suck it up and do what's asked of you once you know that's all i mean so groomsmen are always a problem and photographers i hate photographers i hate wedding photographers they are always in my way they are always getting up in my business and you know we're not here to get the picture taken we're here to get married and just stand back and uh you know do your business from back there and uh, so i always have those are often things that go wrong but in our story today it's the bridegroom who doesn't show up that's another thing they never start on time right i've never done a wedding that was on that was on time but in this story today it's the bridegroom who does not show up he's delayed we are told in the text today you know weddings in the first century palestine they were a lot different than then what goes on today uh the 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 normal tradition is that the groom would go and retrieve this was part of the ceremony the groom would go and retrieve his bride from the bride's father's house and they'd collect all of her stuff throw it in the throw it in the cart and then uh, move and then they would go back to the groom's house the the bridegroom's house and and they would celebrate there it's basically they're moving the bride uh from her house over to the other one and the ceremony would usually take place in the father's house uh and then everyone would meet over at the at the groom's house And they'd have a big celebration for days. In fact, you know, the wedding at Canaan where Jesus turned water into wine, they were on about day three of that party. And, uh, you know, they'd already run out of the wine. So Jesus stepped up to, to help out in that. That's kind of, that's the kind of savior we worship. Amen. (laughs) And, uh, so that's the way weddings went on in the first century Palestine. And, uh, in this story today, the bridegroom doesn't show up when they were expecting him. They've been waiting. And everyone, you know, they're, they're waiting and they've got their, their lamps and they're ready to go. And everyone had fallen asleep waiting. But when the groom finally arrived around midnight, again, he was one of these brides, these groomsmen kind of guys, right? Uh, they all went out. They lit their lamps. And half of them, five of them, were out of oil. They said, hey, we're out of oil. So five of them ran off to 7-Eleven to see if, uh, see if they sold lamp oil at 7-Eleven while the others went into the feast and shut the door behind them. And they were in there. They're going to hunker down for three or four days and spend the time celebrating and partying. And thus, at this point, Jesus says, keep awake for you know neither the day nor the hour now at first glance the story seems to be about being prepared right and to some extent I suppose it is but to be prepared for what and what is going to happen and with what are we to be prepared that is really at the heart of what Jesus is conveying through Matthew's text Today, uh, in order to really grab on to this text, we really need to to understand who was Matthew talking to? What was Matthew's community? Because this text is dealing with issues that Matthew's community was grappling with, that actually weren't an issue when Jesus walked the earth. And the main thing they're talking about in the text we're looking at this morning, and a lot of the other texts in Matthew twenty-five have to do with the second coming of Jesus. That is the the parousia, we call it in the business. The second coming of Jesus. Jesus' advent into the world again. And Matthew, along Matthew's community, along with most other followers of Christ at that time, they were expecting this to happen rather soon. In fact, any day now, soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. And this is why Paul is so... Cavalier in his text about people getting married, you know, uh, he said, "Well, it's better to marry than to burn." But if it were up to me, you don't don't get married; just wait on the Lord, right? Well, that was easy for him to say. He was expecting Jesus any day now. Don't get, don't bother to get married because in a f- you know, in a few days when Jesus comes back, it's not going to matter anymore. However, by the time Matthew is writing, people are beginning to pass away from their community, and. This presents a bit of a faith crisis. You know, so and so has died. So and so has died. My parents have died. Where I thought Jesus was coming. I thought we were going to all meet them in the sky. I thought we were going to get swept away. I thought this. We were expecting this whole thing to start happening, and it presents for the early faith community a bit of a faith crisis. What does it mean when what we expect to happen didn't happen? And Matthew is addressing that faith crisis in this text today. And he's trying to give his community some tools they need to weather the storm when things don't happen the way one expected them to. And and this was a particular problem in the early church when it comes to the second coming. And I dare say that it's a problem when uh, over the centuries, over the millennia, we have had to deal with the issue of the second coming. How many times have we heard a prediction or someone said that the end is near? Hal Lindsey has made millions of dollars by telling us that uh, Jesus is coming any day now. And it uh, it becomes... Uh, it has been a normal part of our disappointment as uh, Jesus followers over the centuries to realize, to expect Jesus to be coming and then realize, wait a minute, I guess not. I'm going to, this is a little sidebar, but I want to tell you, you know what, you're probably wondering, as a bleeding heart liberal church, and as someone who, you know, usually doesn't buy into all that uh, fundamentalist uh, pop Jesus, uh, pop Christianity crap, uh, what do we do with the second coming and here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll say. So I'm going to give you some, some, uh, some my perspective on that. I personally, I got to say, in spite of the fact that it's been 2,000 years and Jesus has yet to come again in the way it's described in the Bible, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily buy into the whole dispensationalism thing. That's all, that's really only a couple hundred years old and by dispensationalism I mean the idea of a rapture and that a certain number of people are gonna go away and then there'll be this big tribulation and all that kinda of stuff all the stuff you hear about in revelation that Hal Lindsey thinks he understands uh, all of that I don't buy into any of that crap Uh however I hang on to the idea this is the this is the idea I hang on to that God is going to bring things to completion And that's why I hang on to the language of the second coming. And we can, we can look at, I look at it as a, as a metaphor, as an allegory for God bringing things to completion. And I hang on to that hope. I hang on to that idea that our best efforts are going to transform this world and, and make this world more like the kingdom of God. And, and yet someday God will bring things to completion right that we are not left to flounder we're not left to do that but the you know the journey is still often the point and yet i hold on to the to the language of the second coming because of that idea of jesus bringing things to completion you can disagree with me i give you permission but that's kind of my approach to that but here's the thing disappointment is a normal part of life and our faith can be uh, a great help in those times when when we have when we have stacked our hopes in one direction and those hopes get dashed or are not realized, what we need is a deep and an abiding faith in what God can do, is doing, and will do. It's a normal part. And it's, it depends on where we, what we do with our frustration after the fact. Jesus didn't come when I thought Matthew's community seemed to be saying, or some said, and therefore my faith was based on a lie. I mean, you're kind of setting yourself up when you say things like that. We have been dealing with this since the earliest days of Christianity. The earth isn't the center of the universe. Therefore, my faith is based on a lie. Uh, the universe wasn't created in six days therefore my faith was based on a lie the virgin birth story is allegorical and metaphorical and therefore my faith is based on a lie the bible doesn't really tell us to hate homosexuals therefore my faith is based on a lie etc 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 faith crises have come up over the millennia And it has cost people quite often their faith. Mainly because their faith is built on a house of cards. You know, if this is the crucial component of my faith and someone punches holes in it, pretty soon it all comes tumbling down. And that can be pretty difficult. Our childlike faith tells us that God will behave in certain ways. And when we discover that things are less linear than that, less black and white than that, less exacting, less absolute. When we discover that God is not a genie in a bottle who pops out to grant wishes, then we often find ourselves in the midst of a faith crisis. Harold Camping found himself in a faith crisis several years ago. When the rapture didn't happen the way he expected, remember this guy. He had all the billboards up, and he owned the radio, had the radio show, and he died in Alameda, California, wondering what happened. How come the rapture didn't happen like I thought it was going to? And he found himself in this crisis. If I, if all that I thought was true isn't, then maybe my faith is built on a lie. At that moment, Harold's lamp ran out of oil. I've watched many people's lamps run out of oil for one reason or another. Because of loss. Because of unmet expectations. Because everything was placed on one small aspect of what it meant to have faith. At these times, we find ourselves going in one direction and the bridegroom, Jesus, is going in another. seems to be getting further and further away until it's like He's behind a door partying with everyone else and we're left outside wondering what happened. The issue is really one of having enough oil to get through these times. Because I promise you, if you've, been, if you've been in faith for a while, you know that disappointment is just going to be a part of it. And how do we get through that disappointment? How do we get through those crises? How do we get through those times when we wonder where God is? Having enough oil seems to be the advice we're getting in Matthew today what is it that keeps our lamp shining? What is it that provides this oil? And what I think is really an issue here is Matthew's disappointment in the part of the community that felt like the only thing to have faith in was Jesus coming to fix everything that was wrong with the world. I mean, it's kind of a selfish thing, really, if you think about it, to sit and to wait for the second coming and to imagine that all of your hopes are pinned on that is really a self-centered thing to do. I think. To just sit there and go, Jesus, you know, I got my act together. Now's a good time. Now's a good time to come. To heck with everybody else. Come and fix everything. Send them to that side. Bring us over to this side. It's always an us and them game, isn't it? Right? Bring us over to this side and, uh, and then everything would be great. Finally we can get on with uh, glory. Right? Let's get on with glory already. Kind of a self-centered thing, and I think Matthew's disappointed in his community that has done that. That has sat around going, "Why didn't Jesus come? Now I'm stuck. I have to work and and build the kingdom of God here, and I have to care for these people, and I don't really care for them very much. And and you know, I'm stuck in this community of other believers that I only thought was going to be a few weeks, but now I'm stuck with them for the rest of my life. How am I going to deal with that? You know, I think Matthew's disappointed in the attitude of his people. And what I think is really at issue here is uh he's he's uh he's worried about that and at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew Jesus said this, "Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven." If you want your light to shine, you need some oil, and what is going to shine that lamp is the things we do that give glory to God. Amen? Did you hear what Jesus said in the sermon? Did you hear what He said on the Sermon of the Mount? Let that light shine. If you don't have enough oil, that light's not going to shine. Let that light shine before others so that they can see the glory of God in the work you do. That's how we get through faith crises. When we have our faith focused on one thing especially something as myopic and self-serving as the second coming when we focus all of our faith on that one thing it's easy to have that one thing fall apart but when the energy of our faith is turned outward just like what elizabeth was saying when the energy of our faith is turned outward when we are about the business of building the kingdom of god here while we wait for God to bring things to completion, like I was saying earlier, when we are living out what it truly means to love our neighbor as ourselves, when we are loving beyond our own capacity, when we are striving to see Christ in every human being we encounter, when we do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with our God, when we are seeking first the kingdom of God, when we consider the lilies and stop worrying about what we eat or what we wear and when we are washing other people's feet no matter how nasty they are, when we are dropping our nets and we are leaving our tax booths and we are selling everything and giving it to the poor and we actually follow Jesus, when we are actively living out our faith, we won't care if Jesus comes. Give me an amen for crying out loud. <laughs> we won't care. Hey, Jesus hasn't come. Hey, I'm too busy to worry about it. I don't have time. If Jesus came, I would say grab a spoon and get working, you know, get let's get serving here. I don't have time to worry about Jesus coming. When we are actively living out our faith, we won't care about those little myopic things when someone says oh well you know the real Greek of this uh, Bible passage I mean you know this part of the Bible contradicts this part of the Bible what do you do with that I don't care I've got faith to live out I don't have time to argue. what a luxury we have in this country to sit and 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 parse over scripture which scripture says this or that and whether you know whether it's all but oh get over yourself let's get on with the business we got stuff to do we got kingdom to build amen we don't have time for this crap we won't care if the 6 day creation idea crumbles before our eyes that that stuff doesn't matter i got to watch my language <laughs> you know I wouldn't care if they found Jesus's body buried somewhere and they said aha see look at you you're so stupid I would go you know what I don't care I don't care because my life has been transformed by the blood of the lamb whether they find more of that blood somewhere or not my life has been transformed by the teachings of Jesus Christ my life has been transformed by the love of God amen I don't have time to worry about all that other stuff. My faith is not just about what God is going to do for me somewhere in the future. My faith is about what God is doing through me now, in the here and now, and in me in the here and now. We're not going to care. We're going to have so much oil. We're going to be covered in oil. And it's going to be great. And we're going, to, we're going to be able to let that light shine all over the place. And we're not going to have to worry about when the bridegroom comes because we are going to be letting our light shine all over the place. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? <laughs> we are not going to care about all of those little things because we are going to be letting our light shine and it is going to transform the world. It is going to build the kingdom of God. It is going to... T- Save lives, and that's what we're about. That's what Jesus is about. That's what every Christian ought to be about. Amen. So the lesson today is this little light of mine. We got to let it shine. Stand up. Don't don't be afraid to get funky, right? I want to see some of this. All right, here we go.
2: No! I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm gonna let it shine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Shine all over the world. Shine it all over. finish. Here we go. Gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Get it out there. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine.
1: You know what? I believe you. I believe you. That's pretty good. Hey, come upstairs for a, for a time of uh, celebration, a time of communion, a time of getting together and uh, getting to know one another and, uh, and before we go and let our light shine out into the world. Now receive the benediction before we turn and face each other and, and sing ourselves out of here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in the name of the Lord. Amen.